0: would you pray with me father in heaven we are thankful this morning to have the chance to come together and worship you father we're also mindful of this is an opportunity to be reminded that you are in control of this world that no matter what politicians on either side say that you are in control no matter what the stock market says you are in control father help us to always remember that and have faith that that you have us in your hand Father, so many of us take our health for granted every day and I pray for those in this congregation that have struggled recently. Pray that you would heal them, but ultimately pray that you would remind all of us that again, that that you have our lives in your hand and that we will always have the opportunity to be with you no matter what happens on this earth. Father, I ask that you be with Alan Ritchie and his work in Argentina. Pray that you would bless him and keep him safe. Thankful this morning that Charles Mickey has come back to us again we're thankful for the time he spent with us when we were in searching for a preacher and thankful that he's back with us today thank you for the the work that he has given to your church throughout his life father again we're thankful for everything you do for us today i'm especially thankful for those of us that came from families that loved us from the time we were born and i pray that you would be with those who maybe didn't come from families like that that this church could be that family to them Father, again, thank you for the material things, the, the family and friends that you've given us. Good morning and thank you for your son and the fact that we have the hope to live with you forever because of him. In his name we pray. Amen. Amen.
1: Christ we do all adore.
2: For our communion thought today, I'd like to read a few verses from Luke chapter 23. If you'd like to follow along, we'll be starting in verse 44. And it was about the sixth hour, there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour. While the sunlight failed, the curtain of the temple was torn in two. And Jesus crying with a loud voice said, Father, into thy hands I commit my spirit. And having said this, he breathed his last. Now when the centurion saw what had taken place, he praised God and said, Certainly this man was innocent. And all the multitudes who assembled to see the sight, when they saw what had taken place, returned home beating their breasts. And all his acquaintances and the women who had followed him from Galilee stood at a distance and saw these things. Let's down to chapter 24. But on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they went to the tomb, taking the spices which they had prepared, They found the stone rolled away from the tomb. And when they went in, they did not find the body. And they were perplexed about this. But there were two men standing by in dazzling apparel. And they were frightened, bowed their heads to the ground. And the men said, why do you seek the living among the dead? Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men, be crucified, and on the third day rise? And then they remembered his words, and they returned from the tomb... They told all this to eleven and to all the rest. Now this was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary the mother of James and the other women with him who told this to the apostles. Let's pray together. Father, as this scene that you've given to us in the words in Luke, we're grateful to know that Jesus did sacrifice himself and that he rose on that third day as he said. Father, because that's, that's the basis of all of our trust and faith, knowing that you said you were going to raise him, and you did. Father, if we partake of this bread, we'd ask that you'd help us to remember that, that his willingness to give himself, but also your willingness to bring him back and to also bring us back, because with his death and resurrection, our sins can be forgiven. Thank you, Father, for loving us. It's through Jesus we pray. Amen. pray with me father again we come to you thanking you for the blood that was shed for as you've told us without the shedding of blood there was no forgiveness of sins and we're grateful that jesus became that lamb that that sacrifice for us so that we could have forgiveness of sins. help us as we partake that we can remember that sacrifice and remember the love that he provided it's through jesus that we pray amen
1: Turn your eyes upon Jesus, look for
2: Father, you you never surprise us with the things that you provide, but there are times that we forget that everything comes from you. We'd ask that you'd help us to remember that and that this token of what we give back is to help those around us, to help spread your word, to help people know who you are and how they can come to be part of your body. Father, bless this offering. It's through Jesus that we pray. Amen. You can see the bucket. It's time for Kids Gift.
1: Despised, you You were rejected. rejected Those who passed by, even averted their gaze from the side. Such was the suffering you bore.
3: Writes to us in Philippians. But whatever were gains to me, I now consider them loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For whose sake I have lost all things, I consider them garbage, that I may gain Christ and be found in Him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law but that which is through faith in Christ. The righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his suffering. Becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead.
4: It's a real pleasure this morning to uh, have uh, uh, Charles Mickey speak for us today. Uh, Charles and I knew each other uh, in college. Uh, in 1966, uh, I went on to medical school, but Charles was held back. <laughs> He did graduate work at Abilene Christian and uh, finished his master's uh, eventually. Uh, he did advanced work, even toward a uh, a Ph.D. Uh, work. Uh, but it's always been a pleasure to know Charles. Uh, I admired him. I looked up to him a great deal. His wife, Kay, is just a wonderful person. He, uh, he came to us. Uh, after we sought him uh, as an interim minister uh, on Sundays here in uh, late 2007 and began a a nine-month ministry with us in October of 2007 and stayed with us driving down every week from Houston uh, until 2008 at the end of June. And then, uh, excuse me, the end of June. And then Alan began his work here uh, in July. So, that's a reminder that Alan's been here over 12, going on 13 years, if you want to know. But it was a time of joy uh, for our congregation to be associated with Charles. His messages were uplifting. Uh, they praised God. They lifted us up and made us grow closer to God. And it's uh, been a real uh, blessing uh, to be in touch with him through the years, with, through that way, and also to have him back today. Charles, thank you for coming and being with us.
5: Thank you, Roger, and thanks to Alan for the invitation. Anybody else that had a hand in my being uh, invited to come back and be with you for today. What a blessing it is. Randy, thank you for leading us in those wonderful songs. I've known uh, Randy's family for a long time. His dad was one of my elders when I was preaching at the Bammel Church in Houston back in the 80s, and uh, his mom is still one of our uh, favorite people. We put up with Randy, but his parents were pretty great. So, <laughs> Great songs this morning. The last one I had not ever heard before are sung, and it touched me deeply. What suffering Jesus went through for us, and what a privilege it is. Just think about it, people. What a privilege it is to be together to praise his name. We sang earlier, Jesus, worthy worthy is the lamb that was slain worthy is your name and uh i pray that because of some of the words we'll share today and the scriptures that we look at that you'll go out of here with your with your hearts encouraged and with your uh energy revived for serving him for worshiping him not only when we're right here in this assembly But when we're driving, yes, you worship God as you drive. You worship God as you wash dishes, as you change diapers, as you push numbers at work, as you write speeches or teach children or whatever you do. God is worshipped by you in every breath of your life. It's not limited to a Sunday morning assembly when we're together. Uh, It's hard for me to believe that 12... Plus years have passed since I began coming down here and preaching on uh, Sunday mornings. During those nine months, it's really hard to believe. But then I look in the mirror and I think, "Yeah, well, I guess that is right." A few years have passed, and as you get to the age that Roger and I am, uh, Roger and I are, we we have to admit, yeah, we're closer to the end by far than we are to the beginning. In those college years, Kay and I will celebrate. Uh, 54 years of marriage this summer, and uh, she gets the greatest admiration and praise for putting up with me for all those years. I uh, read a story the other day about a guy that asked his wife, he said, uh, where would you like to go for your anniversary? She said, I want to go somewhere I haven't been in a long time. So uh, he suggested the kitchen. Uh, that wasn't very nice, but uh, he also said that he'd married Miss Wright. He just didn't know her first name was always. <laughs> I do like the story of the old preacher, and and I certainly identify with that uh, these days. The old preacher who was dying, uh, he knew that death was near, didn't know exactly when it was coming. But he was very, very sick, and uh, people in his church were coming to be with him. He specifically asked for two church members to come and be with him. And he designated the time uh, for the lawyer and the IRS agent, uh, who were members of his church, to come and be with him. Uh, They came, and uh, he motioned to them weekly to come over close to his bedside, one on each side. Uh, He reached out and took their hands And they were wondering why he had called them there. He uh, had never really shown great affection or friendship toward either one of them. But on this occasion, they waited quietly. They waited. They waited. Finally, one of them said, "Uh, Would you you kindly tell us why you called for us? We're honored to be here, but why did you call for us? And he said, Well, weekly he said, the Lord died between two thieves, and I intend to do the same. <laughs> Even those two thieves are capable of, God's, of receiving God's grace, and that includes each one of us this morning. We're looking at a passage in Philippians chapter 3, verses 7 and following. Let me set this up just a little bit before we move on. Several years ago, I was honored to be invited to go back and preach at my hometown, and that really was an honor. I uh, grew up from fourth grade through high school at Vernon, Texas, and then it was called the Houston and Pease Street Church of Christ. Now they moved, got a new facility, and it's called the Wilbarger Street Church of Christ. Some of you may have been there. Wonderful group of people. They loved our family. My dad preached there for eight years or so, and um, I was. Privileged to be back there with them. They had me preaching every night for several nights, and every noon we would have a lunch together, and I would present about a 15-20 minute lesson. On one day I came to Philippians chapter 3 at the noon lunch. One of the ladies that was there was in her either late 80s or early 90s, I never was sure. Um, She was a teacher. In Bible class in that church building, Sunday school and Wednesday nights, continuously year after year, while we were there, and had continued doing that. I remember being in her Wednesday night class where we were trained in memorizing scripture and learning so many good things. I went to her home one day uh, prior to this lunch uh, meeting and and preaching and uh, I dared. I I didn't know it was going to be offensive. I thought when you get it that old, you're proud of your age, and I dared to ask her age. It was obvious that she was offended. I I should never have asked. I have never asked a lady since that time. Never, ever will I ask again. How old are you? On this particular occasion, beloved uh, first-grade teacher in elementary for many, many years, never married, didn't have any children, devoted to God's Word, read it every day, didn't miss every single time the church doors were opened. She listened to me preach that day, and she came up to me afterwards, reciting part of what I had said to her in the sermon. She said, Charles, I have to admit that I know about Jesus But I don't think I know Him. I don't think I know Him. There are a lot of us in the church who, by coming to the church building, by teaching Bible classes, by studying the Word, by memorizing Scripture, and a variety of other things that might include, almost every night, something related to church activities, we would have to admit that we know a lot about Jesus Christ. But maybe we don't know him personally. There is a difference. The knowledge that you have of any person in this assembly this morning began with an introduction. You began with a conversation. You began with time that was spent with each other. And over the years, weeks, months, and then years, you may have come to the point where you say, I know him. Really well. He's a close friend. But there are still many things you don't know about him or her. And were you to open your heart and share some of those things that are secretive, some of those things that might even bear shame or bring it or embarrassment, then you would really know. You would be closer to that person. Some of us who are in Christ, we've been in Christ since baptism. And maybe that's 50 years ago. Maybe it's more than that. But like the little boy who fell out of his bed, he was asked by his mother, what happened? He said, I stayed too close to where I got in. That's where we are. Some of us have stayed too close to where we got in to a relationship with Christ we got to know a little bit about his ministry. We're not even sure how long he, he uh, ministered, roughly three, three and a half years. We know a few of his, of his miracles. We know that first from water to wine. What a, what a great celebration that was recorded in John's Gospel, as are several of the miracles from the beginning of his ministries. We know uh, the, the story about uh, raising Lazarus from the dead. We know about healing the blind. We know about the the guy that was let through the hole in the ceiling. And and Jesus, instead of healing him, said, Son, your sins are forgiven. And we're baffled with the Pharisees, but we hear the rest of the story as Jesus explains that I can not only raise someone from their crippledness and lameness, I can also forgive their sins, which challenged the Pharisees. We know about some of his statements in the Sermon on the Mount. But we're not sure what to do with Him because He challenges us and convicts us. And we want to move on to where we see Him with the children, welcoming them. We're not sure about that crucifixion scene. But we're thankful that we believe that the message is clear, that it's because of what He suffered on that cross, as we just sang. It's because of that that we have freedom from sin. We know the truth. But the truth has not set us free. Maybe we don't know the truth. Who is Jesus, though, when Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life? We don't personally know the liberty that is ours that comes from knowing Jesus with intimacy because we've spent enough time with Him and because we have decided repeatedly, hour after hour, to trust Him. I want you to look at a passage uh, that I think we'll have up here. Let's go ahead with Philippians 3. Uh, seven and following i'm going to tell you what comes before these verses paul is writing a a, a letter that we call philippians i love it Uh, sometimes i think more than any other part of scripture (laughs) but then i think about some of the others and i can't say that there's so many beautiful challenging wonderful uh, scriptures that that help us and encourage us uh, in Philippians, Paul is writing to a church that he knows and he loves and over and over in this letter, seventeen times, he says, "I want you to rejoice," or he talks about joy. It is the epistle of joy and uh, And yet that church began with great challenge and and sufferings uh, paul and and uh, Silas were there in Acts chapter sixteen and and they preached to Lydia. And Lydia and her household were baptized, but not long thereafter, uh, he he and Silas were thrown into prison because of an exorcism they performed. And and they found themselves at midnight in prison when there was an earthquake and they were freed and the Philippian jailer was about to take his life. You know the story. It was in that moment that the Philippian jailer was about to take his own life. Paul stopped him and said, Don't do that. And the Philippian jailer, Asked the simple question, how can I be saved? What must I do to be saved? Well, he meant, I think, he meant, how do I get out of the fix I'm in? Because if I lose all of you prisoners, I'm going to be killed. I'm in charge of you guys. And despite the earthquake, I need you guys to stay right here. Paul said, what you need to do is something far better than getting out of this fix. You've got to get out of a fix that eternally has you damned to hell if you don't know Jesus Christ and put your faith in Him. It wasn't long after that, as Paul explained to him who Jesus was and what he had done, that the Philippian jailer joined Lydia and her household and formed the nucleus of that church in Philippi. Paul and Silas still had to deal with uh, uh, the jail and the officials in Philippi and a few other things. But later, years later, toward the end of Paul's life, he's writing back to them, in this letter, and Paul is challenging them. Despite the division in their ranks, despite the problems in the church, he starts chapter 3 by saying, I'm going to tell you again, rejoice in the Lord. Chapter 4 begins the same way. I want you to rejoice in the Lord. And again, I say, rejoice. There is reason to rejoice. Even in the midst of sufferings, setbacks, squabbles, divisions, arguments, and everything else, if we look at what is steady, if we look at what is the anchor of our life in our relationship with Jesus Christ. So at the beginning of this chapter, Paul says, There are people among you who are insisting that you perform circumcision on Gentiles. We don't like to talk about circumcision. But it's prominent in the Old Testament. It's prominent in the New Testament. When the Gentiles came to Jesus Christ, the Jews didn't know what to do with them. On the eighth day of a little Jewish, Jewish boy's life, he was circumcised across the board. It didn't matter any other part of his life, he was circumcised on the eighth day. Why? Because that was a dedication to God. That was a covenant agreement that they had that went all the way back to Abraham You can trace it from Genesis forward. And so the Jews became known as the circumcision. When 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 some Jews became Christians and Gentiles were also brought in with the beginning of Acts chapter 10 and Cornelius, they didn't know what to do with Cornelius. They didn't know what to do with the Gentiles. They had to have a big church council in Acts chapter 15 and talk about what do we do with the Gentiles? Do they have to be circumcised in order to conform to the Old Testament law that we've been observing so that they can be saved by circumcision? And the answer is clear, revealed by God through Paul and others. No, absolutely not. No, 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 in all capital letters with bold and exclamation points. No, circumcision is not required. What is required is faith, what is required is trusting Jesus Christ. And yes, they gave them a few other rules to follow about eating or drinking blood, and Acts chapter 15, forbidden. But when it comes to Philippians 3, Paul says, Look, I I was circumcised, I got reasons for confidence in the flesh, like those who insist on circumcision, who put their confidence and their pride in their flesh, in their physical changes in their life because of their commitment, I can boast even more. He said, I have all more reasons than they have. Number one, circumcised on the eighth day. Number two, of the people of Israel. Number three, of the tribe of Benjamin. That's the tribe from which the first king came, Saul. That's the tribe was special um, as the youngest of the 12 tribes, the, the, the youngest son, the brother of Joseph. Uh, and, he, and he goes on to say, a Hebrew of Hebrews, meaning I can still speak the Hebrew language. Uh, Paul goes on. Uh, He says, uh, As to regarding the law, I was a Pharisee. Uh, As to zeal, I persecuted the church. As to legal righteousness, faultless. Those six things Paul lists as reasons for confidence in his flesh. Not one of them is terrible, except persecuting the church, but he did it in good conscience. He did it knowing that this was what God would have me to do because I'm a good Jew I'm convinced the longer I study the life of Paul that he was probably a member of the Sanhedrin court. He was on his way to the top. He would probably have become the leader of the Sanhedrin among the Jewish people. Trained by Gamaliel. uh, uh, Highly respected. Zealous. Energetic. Applauded. Admired. Respected. But do you remember what happened in Acts chapter 9? A total U-turn in Paul's life. There was a light that blinded him. He was stopped in his tracks. He's headed to Damascus to persecute Christians. And all of a sudden, everything changes because a voice comes from heaven and challenges Paul when he was Saul and asks him why he was persecuting Jesus. Persecuting me, the voice, Jesus speaking to him. I changed everything, and now Paul says, whatever was gained to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage. Let me pause there. What Paul is really saying in the Greek is, I consider them manure. I consider them dung. I consider them the, the worst rubbish that you can think of. The kind that of stinks. The kind I want to get away from. I don't want to touch it. I regard every reason that I had for confidence and boasting in the flesh, I regard it by comparison to the surpassing excellency of knowing Christ as waste. Rubbish. Rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in Him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ Jesus, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. Let's pause for just a second before we go to the next slide. Paul says that when I came to know Christ, the surpassing excellence, the supremacy, the wonder, the the fantastic nature of knowing Christ and knowing that He was the Messiah that I was anticipating. He was the one I should be worshiping instead of persecuting. He is not the leader of a sect of Judaism. No, He is the Savior. He's the Son of God. He's the one through whom and by whom I am saved because of what He accomplished on the cross. He said that made me get a whole new perspective on everything else that I had valued. Let's go to chapter I mean the same uh, scripture in the next verse verse 10 I want to know Christ yes to know the power of the resurrection and participation in the sufferings beginning beginning like him in his becoming like him in his death and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead Paul said you know you think about it Paul's been converted years ago He's told his story in chapter 9 of Acts, or or Luke told it. He himself, Paul, told it in uh, Acts 22 and Acts 26. Paul has told his story briefly in Galatians chapter 1. Paul has traveled widely. Paul has preached in so many different places. Paul has been through all kinds of experiences, including shipwreck and near death and sufferings and beatings that he lists to the Corinthians Paul's been through all this, and yet he says, I still am growing in my knowledge of Christ. I want to know Christ. It's not something, he says later, that I've already attained. It's not something that I've already got tucked away. It's uh, on a plaque or a certificate on my wall. No, I'm still growing. I'm still moving in the direction of knowing Christ. And I want to know the power of his resurrection. Everywhere in Paul's writings... There is a reference, or many places, Ephesians chapter 1, Ephesians chapter 3, there is a reference to the resurrection power. Romans chapter 6 challenges us to know that when we're baptized into Christ, we are raised to what? Newness of life. We're raised up from the baptismal waters to walk in newness, resurrection, if you please, because we have imitated Christ. In dying to ourselves, in being buried in the tomb, in our case of baptismal waters, and now to walk in newness of life. That resurrection power is ours at the beginning of our faith walk with Jesus. And this morning, if you haven't been baptized into Christ, it's the perfect day. You've waited too long. If you knew you needed to, now you know. But if you already knew, you've put it off long enough. Today is the day to be baptized into Christ, to begin that walk of newness in Christ. But you don't want to stay where you begin. You don't want to fall out of the bed because you stayed too close to the edge. You want to grow deeper in love with Jesus Christ. You want to participate. Notice, you want to participate in the sufferings. The NIV in an earlier version says, I want to know the fellowship of sharing in the sufferings. You know, when Paul wrote to Timothy, he said... Anyone who wants to live a godly life will be persecuted. Have you been there? Very few of us really have. We live in a nation that, uh, at least for the most part, still recognizes Christianity. Uh, Less and less people are recognizing it and respecting it, and somehow or another they want to label all of us hate groups. If we don't agree with the same-sex marriage and a variety of other things that are on their agenda, it's a political agenda. And yes, there is suffering involved. But thank God, we live in a nation that is largely still, and in many cases, certainly in the rural, more of the rural areas, is Christian in nature. But it doesn't matter what the government espouses. It doesn't matter what happens around us, what happens, what happens what is important, it happens in our hearts. Even when there is opposition, and there will be opposition, Paul said that Second uh, Timothy chapter three, verse 12. If you want to live a godly life, if you act on that desire to live a godly life, you will be persecuted. It may come to a teenager, through a bully. It may come in your workplace, if you refuse to lie or do what the boss tells you to do, tells you to do. And it's illegal. It may come in a variety of other ways, but you will be labeled. You will be blackballed at some point, And you will be kicked out of some kind of a club or an organization or a, a affiliation because of your Christian faith. I believe that. I've seen it happen. I've experienced it. What do we do about it? We want to keep knowing Christ to know the power of his resurrection. We want to participate in his sufferings. We want to become like him in his death. What does that mean? I want to stop insisting on my own way. I want to keep growing away from selfishness and toward unselfishness. I want to have more compassion. I want to know the kindness that prays for the people who drive the nails in my hands and says, Father, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. Becoming like him in his death and somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. I believe in that last phrase Paul is referring to, The resurrection at the end. The resurrection that is beyond what happens when we're baptized. Yes, we are renewed. Yes, we walk in newness of life. But at the end, we may have been buried. We may not have been buried. We may have been buried for a very long time. But in any case, we are promised by Scripture after Scripture, especially First Corinthians chapter 15, that there is resurrection Every one of us as faithful believers, there is resurrection to be caught up in heaven with the Lord Jesus. And then let's go to the last section uh, of verses here. Paul adds these verses uh, to help you know his resolve, his mission, his goal. He says, not that I have already obtained all this, or have already arrived at my goal but I press on that's a word that indicates a striving like a, like an athlete who's running a race uh, you've seen as they come to the finish line they're leading their chin out they're leading their their chest out their legs are flailing behind them but they don't care if they fall <laughs> they know they're at the end of that race and they've got to get in front of their competitor thank God we're not competing with each other Thank God you don't have to race against me and I don't have to race against you or you against somebody else in this room or around the world. There are far better Christians than any of us. Better? Not really. Not really. All of us are sinners. All of us need forgiveness. I don't care how good you are. You're not getting in on your righteousness. Paul says, I'm through with that. The legalistic righteousness that is my own, he talks about it here, I'm through with that. He says, I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but but one thing I do. Notice, one thing Paul says, at this point, late in his life and his ministry, he says, I am forgetting what is behind and I'm straining toward what is ahead. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. It's a beautiful picture of a man who knows he has not arrived, but he is assured of victory. He is assured of victory not by his achievement, not by his goodness, not by his wonderful qualities, not by his uh, hard work. He is assured of victory because the righteousness is not His own. It is righteousness not achieved by obedience to a law. It is righteousness not based upon how deeply you went into the waters in baptism. It is righteousness based upon the accomplishment of Jesus Christ. And nobody else, nobody else will determine your righteousness except Jesus Christ Christ by His cross, by His sacrifice, and by the forgiveness that He awards to you. There's one more passage I have chosen to share with you up on the screen. It's John 17. Jesus is praying toward the end of His life. It's a great prayer. It takes up the whole chapter. It's a beautiful prayer for unity for the apostles that He's about to leave after death. It's a, it's a prayer for many. It's a beautiful prayer. We call it... Uh, The unity prayer, it ought to be called the Lord's Prayer, (laughs) uh, instead of the one in, in Matthew and Luke. But here's what Jesus prays at the beginning. He says, now, this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. This is eternal life. It's not anything short of knowing with intimacy. Ginosko is the Greek word for know. And very often it was used to translate the description or translate the, the relationship that a husband had with a wife, that a wife had with a husband in sexual intercourse. The intimacy that mates know and blessed by God in that because God is the one who invented all that, created all that, and wants us to enjoy that. That kind of knowledge, I know it may sound inappropriate, it may not sync with you right now, but that kind of intimate knowledge, close relationship, is what God wants with us. Is what Jesus wants with us. And he says that's eternal life when you know God, when you know Christ Jesus who was sent by God to us. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection. Let's go on to that one. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection. I want to know the participation. I want to share in the sufferings. I want to become like him in his death and somehow attain at the end to the resurrection from the dead. What happens? What what? What has to happen for you to know Christ in that way? There are a lot of uh, possible answers to that question. But I'm going to give you three real quickly. Number one, it takes time. Time, instead of watching television, even the NFL as much as I love it, it takes time in God's Word. It takes time not to memorize Scripture in order to be proud of your accomplishment, but to soak in the challenges of God's Word. When you hear Jesus say, when you are not at ease or at peace with your brother, you're about to partake of the communion, you go get at peace with him before you bring your offering. The challenges that... that call us to stop judging the challenges that that challenge us to turn the other cheek to go the extra mile to give with good measure knowing that that's what's going to come back to us you just take verse by verse through the Sermon on the Mount and let it sink in to know Him to know the quality of His teaching but more importantly the quality of His life it takes time Every day in God's Word. Get away by yourself. Find 15 minutes, if nothing else, and read God's Word. But please keep coming back to the Gospels with your eyes on Jesus. Keep coming back to the Gospels. Leviticus is hard to read, it's hard to understand, and it might discourage you from serious Bible study. But come back to the Gospels. Go to Deuteronomy, go to Revelation, but keep coming back to the Gospels and read. Read something from the Gospels every day. Secondly, it takes talk. And I'm talking about prayer. Some, someone has called prayer the, the basis for vitality in the Christian life. It is a source of life. Without talking to Christ, without unloading our burdens, without opening our hearts to the man, the one who came opening his heart to us, It's not just coming to know Christ. It's through prayer. You come to know yourself. As you read scriptures and you pray to God about it, you say, I don't understand this. You say, oh, I do, and that's new, and thank you, Lord, for that. Or you say, please help me today to put this into action because this is convicting and I'm not comfortable with it. It takes talk. And finally, most importantly, it takes trust. To trust in someone to know that they are trustworthy, you have to take a risk. Have you noticed that? You gave a responsibility to your teenage son or daughter, not because you had seen them accomplish that before, but because you wanted to know if they were reliable. Most of us in the Christian faith walk in a very straight line that doesn't take a risk at all. We've never stepped onto a boat or a plane that would take us to a far place in the world to do mission work. We've never trusted God to provide food on a table when we had money in our bank account and we knew plenty of it to buy the next meal at the local grocery. Is there a reckless initiative in your life that dares to step out where Jesus Christ has to prove himself trustworthy or will you stay in the narrow, safe confines of what you've always done and always provided on your own and sometimes being very proud and confident in your flesh. Paul says, no, 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 no. Count it all rubbish. Anything that you've accomplished, anything that's been good in your life, by comparison on your own, by comparison to knowing Christ, is garbage. So take time for Jesus. Make sure you're talking to Him. Communication is a key to a relationship. You know that's true in marriage. It's true with Jesus Christ. And finally, take a risk. Take a risk. Obey Jesus in a way that challenges you to do more than you've done. And that will prove, it will prove the faithfulness of our Lord Jesus Christ. When you look at that passage in in, uh, Philippians 3 again, uh, there's a verse. Uh, it's it's not one that's up on the screen, or will be up on the screen. But I got to get back to it here real quick. I want to finish with this. I promise I'm finishing. By the way, chapter three, Paul begins in the middle of his of his letter to the Philippians with the word finally, so you know he did the same thing. Uh, Paul says, verse eight, chapter three of Philippians. I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. The key really is in those last two words. My Lord. Is he your Lord? Job, in uh, Job chapter 19, verse 25, said, I know that my Redeemer lives. How could Job know that? He didn't know who the Redeemer was, but he knew that he lives. Now we know who he is. We know what he did. We know so many details about his life, his sacrifice, and his resurrection. And because of that, he calls us to deeper, deeper relationship with him. When when Peter stepped out of that boat and began to walk on the water. We all like to make fun of him because he, he later looked away from Jesus and he went into the water. But let me tell you something. When he stepped out on that water and was able to walk on that water briefly, it was because he took a risk, people. He dared to do more than was within his comfort zone. He'd never done it before, and I doubt he ever did it again. But let me tell you, he now knows... After that experience, he began to know and he would tell anybody everywhere the joy of taking a risk with Jesus and proving that he is faithful, that he is trustworthy. May God bless us. We stand now to sing. Would you come to him and let us help you anyway with prayer, baptism, or uh, encouragement? Thank you.
1: My hope is built on nothing, nothing less than, than Jesus' blood, blood and righteousness. righteousness. I you dare not trust the sweetest Jesus friend, day, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On, on Christ the, the solid rock, stand, all of the, the ground, ground in sinking sand, sand His, his lovely face, I rest on his unchanging grace.
0: In every high and stormy gale, my anchor holds within the veil.
1: On Christ's the solid rock I seated:
6: We want to welcome all of our visitors again today here, and we have a small token of our appreciation. We have some bread here we'd like to give you, and we have a couple of volunteers it looks like here. We have, and go ahead and take those, and, uh, and if, if you're a visitor, raise your hand as they go by, and they can pass you a, a small loaf of bread there as a token of our appreciation. Also want to thank Charles Mickey, our visiting speaker here and don 't forget to give him a, some bread too, but uh, we appreciate the words that you brought to us this morning. You know, even the evil spirits that Jesus cast out of people knew about Jesus, but they didn 't know him and and uh, we are supposed to know Jesus like Charles said that we need to have faith in 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 him and and uh, have fellowship with him and and uh, have a relationship with christ and we need to continue to work on that relationship and continue to develop a deeper relationship with Him. and that's something that that i need to remember to do and i think probably all of us need to to remember that also so appreciate the word that you brought to us we have a caring and sharing uh, that has lots of information in it uh... mention a couple things here uh... we have a life screening going on at the church here uh, for your for your heart and uh, this is the last day to sign up for that. That's going to be this next week, and if you if to sign up for that, you need to do that by today. Uh, I also see that next week Bill Lewis will be talking about habitat at uh, the combined class. but next week is also the first uh, uh, the uh, first day of uh, daylight savings time. so if you don't remember to set your clock ahead, you're going to miss his class so. Remember remember to set your clock ahead this next week. For the prayer list, we have uh, several people listed here. I list a couple. Alan is, of course, uh, uh, gone right now. And, and, and Mike says I have to stand right in front of this thing here. I'm just remembering that here, so I'm going to try to do that. Uh, but uh, there's a letter in your Caring and Sharing that Alan sent the church. And it's worth reading. I was going to read parts of it, but since it's in there, you can, you can read it. Uh, Royce McCoy is, is in the, on the prayer list, and uh, we uh, talked to uh, Karen McCoy this, this uh, morning, and just a few update on him. He's doing a little better this week than, than last week, but he's not up to visitors yet. But one thing that he really appreciates is if you could uh, send him a card or a text, and... Uh, he really appreciates that. His address is in the church directory, um, the app. But if you, uh, uh, I'll just say it here, it's P.O. Box 2608 in Freeport. 77541 is a zip code. But uh, a card or even text, if you're going to text, I would suggest texting to Karen because I don't think Royce is, is uh, really looking at his phone too much at this point uh... but he like i said he really appreciates that if you could if you could send him something um, also on the per list is bernice skinner she had uh, a little setback she's had some fever i guess this last week or so but i think uh, that's been taken care of and so she's in on the list for a liver transplant and hopefully she'll be able to do that shortly and then jeff McLaughlin um, is having surgery for cancer coming up here in early march so we need to remember that um, Let's see. Another thing that I wanted to mention here—it it says this last Wednesday was kind of sad because that was our last bread of life for at least for a while here. So, um, but remember uh, that—that's been a great uh, uh, service there. And, and right now we're we're going to take a little hiatus from that, I guess. Apparently, um, let's see anything else that I need to mention. Okay, let's go ahead and and say a prayer here. Almighty Heavenly Father, we are thankful for all the many blessings you've given us. We want to recognize you as as all-powerful and and able to do anything, uh, the provider of all the things that we have. We ask that you be with us here in the coming week. week. Fill us with your spirit and and help us in that week. Uh, Father... We want to uh, also remember that uh, the food that has been prepared for us, uh, that uh, that is, uh, bless that food and, and remember the hands that, that prepared it. Um, we want to recognize, remember also that you sent your son who died upon the cross for the forgiveness of our sins. It's in Christ's name we pray, amen. And I guess I should remind you too, before I leave here i was supposed to say that we had a family feast fellowship so right after services uh today we can go back and and get some food and if you're a visitor you're welcome to come there's plenty of food and so you should be good so i'll be standing
1: as the mountains surround surround Jerusalem, jerusalem so the lord surrounds his people